VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to another episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. This time, a weekend bonus episode. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. You know them, you love them. Jay Yarrow of CNBC, Farhad Manju of the New York Times. It's another Jay and Farhad show reunion. Today's topics, Uber's IPO, the streaming wars, and Game of Thrones. These are my favorite episodes to do. I just hit record and we thumb wrestle each other to get in our hot takes. Please enjoy. Hey, uh, hey Jay, you want to do the, the intro honors? Oh, sure. Are we recording? Uh, yeah, consider us recording. Well, we usually start recording first. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording. You, you're recording? Okay. Yeah. Hello! It's the Jay and Farhead show, but not really. I'm Jay Yarrow, executive at CNBC, and you are... I'm Farhad Manju, columnist at the New York Times, and we're actually on TechMeme, so our guest is actually our host. That's right. Uh, I'm Brian, ostensibly the host, but, you know, I'll sit in the back seat and just point the mic at you guys. Well, don't sit in the back seat, because we haven't done this in a while, and I I just don't read as much tech news as i used to so i don't know anything that's happening in right the which by the way Focus i'm gonna queue up your pottery career <laughs> pottery career wait wait i was i'm gonna queue up the first question actually for jay but um so am i not supposed to farhad uh refer to you as the new york times technology columnist anymore uh yeah i'm not the new york times technology columnist did that, uh, did, i mean is, i am I write. I'm a columnist that, who writes about technology sometimes at right. the New York Times. So, <laughs> you're a technology uh, columnist emeritus or something. Uh, yeah. Um, my official title is opinion columnist. That's it. Um. All right. I am teeing this one up for Jay primarily because since Jay has the the closer to the the Wall Street. Uh, angle than either of us, Farhad. <laughs> he uh, just works at CNBC. He's not like a trader. That makes him closer. Uh, little do you know. Little do you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, I love your take on the Uber IPO stuff. Oh, what's his take? I don't even know. Well, that's what I'm asking. No, he's saying he would love to get <laughs> Oh, he would love. Oh, because I have... And Do you have a particularly uh, salty take? Let's hear it. No, um, so... I guess uh, what I would say on Uber, so I tweeted this before they went public. What, what I said is, what is the bull case for Uber? And you look at Uber and you have a company that's core business has dramatically slowed in terms of growth and still has a fierce competitor in Lyft, which also just went public. You know, the, if you look at, so the, the Uber argument is, well, we're this huge platform company and we're not just rideshare, but we're sort of this, um, marketplace for connecting drivers to different services. So we have the rideshare business, but fierce competition with Lyft. Well, we have the food delivery business. Well, you know, you have de- you have delivery uh, competitors all over the place with Grubhub and DoorDash, and you know, just this morning, uh, Amazon invested in the UK company Deliveroo, which does the same thing. So you have fierce competitors there. Well, we're a self-driving car. We, we're we're going to be we have a leg up in autonomy because we have all this di- uh, data on driving, and in fact. Uh, you know, what Uber might argue would be everyone else 
has to go full driverless, but we can do, we understand the quickest route. So we can do 1% driverless, but you know, they, they're competing with Tesla, which may not be a heavy competition, but they're competing with Tesla. They're competing with Waymo. They're competing with like GM in driverless. And they don't really have a significant competitive advantage in that space. And they, they also say, well, we're also making inroads in trucking. We're doing essentially what we do with Uber for ride shares of trucking. Well, you know, Amazon has, for the past year, quietly been doing the exact same thing, like kind of disrupting the trucking space. So you go down the line, and I don't see any business that they have a core advantage of, and they are well, competing they're against also doing, you're, you're forgetting their main new pitch, which is that they're this kind of urban mobility company, and they offer you all kinds of different ways of getting around a city, including, you know, cars, car sharing, um, scooters. But also scooters, and... I don't know, a, a whole bunch of other things, and they connect you to transit. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the other thing. That's sort of their new, they're not just a car sharing company, they're your city mobility company. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. So, so look, they're, they're the, 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 wait, main... what is, what did, what is the response? I, I mean, I feel like your take is what a lot of people think. And it seems like apparent after their IPO, that's what a lot of people think. I'm still wondering what the um, bull case for them is, because I think you're right. They, they're competitive in every, uh, they have a strong competitor in every category. The weird thing is that some of their competitors are funded by some of their founders, uh, funders. So SoftBank yeah. funding DoorDash. Um, I think several of their funders are both Lyft and Uber investors. Well, I was going to say, especially in like Asia and like South America, like yeah. uh, uh, SoftBank and Masasan, and they, that was one of the things in that New York Times piece is that that's one of the problems is that he's funded all of their competition in all of the non-North American European markets. Right, right. It's so, so someone has argued to me. Someone, I, so I threw that out on Twitter, and somebody came back with, and this is sort of a backhanded compliment, but the bull case for Uber is akin to Yahoo when they had the Alibaba stake. <laughs> is that Uber has like this huge stake in like DD? Uh, was it DD Schwang or I forget? How, I don't know how you pronounce it, oh, but they, they have some, something like that. Yeah, they have, they have stakes in international Ubers, and that those like companies will also get big, and that that'll be kind of. Uh, helping to grow their value. I mean, look, I, I think, so what would Uber say? Uber's argument be, we have, we're this huge platform company and we have a, a lot of huge markets that we can grow into. But I, I just, I think that, you know, I, I think they're losing a lot of money with no clear path to profitability. And then you go down the line of, there's comp of that competition. They haven't, in a way that really um, can make you feel comfortable as an investor, they haven't really, um, ejected away from the competition they haven't really built away like reached escape velocity i guess you'd say from the competition now they would say we're so far ahead of lyft that it's not close uh and maybe that's true but i think lyft is just enough of a of a problem to kind of hold hold them back from owning the space and uh so yeah i think that it's it's a company that just loses a ton of money no clear path to profitability which you know, losing money in and of itself isn't problematic for investors, uh, even on the public markets. I think it's having a, it, but you have to have a a strong top line growth story, and you have to have a a story about market domina domination that the that the public can believe in. And and just look at uh, Tesla, which I think like Tesla is down like forty. I don't know if it's forty three percent this year or if it's just forty percent from its highs. But Tesla has significantly cratered post Model 3 because they've struggled to make the Model 3. And the story on Tesla is broken, right? The story on Tesla was, 
we're going to dominate the marketplace. We're going to take over all electrics and we're going to, and we're going to sell this cheap car and we're going to run away with the marketplace. They aren't running away with the marketplace and they seem to have operational problems. Well, and I think similar, <clears throat> similarly with Uber, it's the same kind of thing. If Uber has a story to tell about growth, like a viable, believable story about growth, then you, then you endure the losses because you believe in the long, long term it's going to work out. I, right. You, I think that the problem for Uber is that they both don't have a short-term story or a long-term story. Like their short-term story um, is the problem is that they have fierce competition. And I think Lyft is a big competitor in, you know, because one thing they one thing about Lyft is it's smaller overall in terms of market share, but in key cities, um, in New York, San Francisco, I think Lyft is like half um, of the market. Uh, and so in key cities, it's it's enough of competition that it, Uber can't raise prices or can't you know change comp- compensation to drivers in a way that'll uh, significantly improve its profitability in those markets. And then you know as long as kind of Lyft has money and the ability to do that, that's great. That that is difficult for Uber. Um, so it can't tell the short-term story of domination. And then the long-term story is just very, very difficult. Like the reason that people invested in Amazon forever and Amazon was losing money is because they were clearly growing and they would own all, you know, there was a there was a plausible argue, argument you could make that they would own all of e-commerce and then possibly own commerce generally or get a big enough slice of commerce. And that was even before AWS. Um, you don't really have that story with Uber. In the long run, because of self-driving, because of all the competition from uh, you know all the other um, car company, car sharing companies, but also just competition from car manufacturers, uh, just kind of an un... Um, the the slowness of the auto market, the the difficulty of imagining huge change there. I think that it's very hard to kind of picture Uber as being, um, you know, the Amazon of transportation in the way Amazon, who's the Amazon of retail. Well, Jay Jay talked about like busted narratives, and that's kind of in a, in a larger sense what I'm curious about, in the sense that like uh, I I can't remember who it was, maybe Dan Premack or somebody on Twitter last week said, um, the ultimate bull case for Uber is you look at Facebook, you look at Google, you look at all of these other big companies, these these oligarchs in tech, and they have half a trillion dollar market caps at least. And so the the, the ultimate bull case for Uber is it's got, what, a, a $50 billion market cap? And so 10x that, right? Um, and, and, and Uber's whole narrative was that it was continuing this sort of trajectory of the, there was Google, then Facebook, and like this is, the, Uber was the, the, the shining light of this generation. And like, you know, I don't know if it has to do with like the the change to growth investing in VC or whatever, but like you know, Pinterest just had um, its first earnings and they were really terrible and the stocks down. Like, what if what if all of these unicorns become like zombie stocks? It, like, think of think of remember when Groupon was like the fastest growing company. Groupon's still around, but they're a yeah. zombie stock, right? So, like, what happens if this entire generation? Or turns out to be zombies. I mean, I I think that's looking at it the wrong way. I guess the reason that Pinterest is having trouble is because the advertising business is tough and uh, it's competing with you know Google and Facebook. And you could tell that story about you could tell a similar. I mean, that's like the the story. The, the reason that Uber is having trouble is sort of we went over that. I think you could tell a very good like a, you can make a case for all of these companies having trouble individually and not as a group. I guess. 
Um, people had lots of doubts about the Facebook IPO and, you know, for for lots of months. And then Facebook mm-hmm. figured out uh, its mobile strategy, both like uh, to get both the actual app and then advertising on mobile. And because it was enormously successful on both those things, uh, the Facebook IPO was like resurrected and it, and it did really well. I feel like, you know, if uh, Slack's going to go public soon and Slack uh, has possibly a better story to tell. I actually didn't look at their numbers, so I don't know. I may be completely wrong here, but I have the sense that, you know, Slack is moving on in the enterprise and like has a plausible um, uh, story to tell about its future uh, and uh, it's making money. um, And uh, I don't think that, you know, just because it's going to go public at the same time as all these other companies uh, that you can sort of write it off, for example. It's a different space. It's an enterprise company. Um, WeWork, on the other hand, is like a completely different story. Um, And it's losing money and nobody knows how it's going to make money and it looks weird. Uh, So I think you can sort of point to these problems that the different companies have without this. I mean, I think some of them may turn into the next Groupon. Maybe Uber will. But uh, yeah, I don't don't know if there's like a whole crop of them. Yeah, and I just... uh go back to what you're saying. I mean, first of all, like the reason that Facebook and Google are worth $500 billion is that they like are cash flow machines. They're highly yeah. profitable. Um, they are in, they don't, they like monopolize large growing markets, which is digital advertising. And they've been there for, I guess what you would call like a secular change. Right. And if Uber was in a, if there was a true secular change in how we transport ourselves and uber was able to participate and capture the vast majority of that upside then the stock would take off um but first of all you know it's been like what a week it's been trading uh so you know and and to what like far i talked about like facebook looks pretty busted it was a busted ipo uh, and looked really bad in the beginning and eventually obviously turned around and has been a, a, a smashing success. People forget that that happened to Google, too. <clears throat> I can't remember yeah. what it was, well, but the Google numbers did were, a yeah. weird, what was it, like a Dutch auction? They yeah, had a weird yeah. IPO, and uh, and people didn't believe in that. So, so first of all, like it's still early days. Second of all, uh, you were saying something along the lines of, like, what happens if these are zombie stocks? Like, uh, you know, Quora... Apparently, it's a two billion dollar company, mm-hmm. twenty million in revenue, and that happened just the other day. Uh, so, you know, part of me wants to be like, are our investors getting freaked out when they see what happens on the public markets with some of these companies? But like, also, I think Pinterest is up post IPO. Um, but then the other part of me is like, well, Core is getting a two billion dollar valuation, and I think there was a report that DoorDash wants to raise at a twelve billion dollar valuation, yeah. and I think like. I think Farhad's column was slightly over the top, but not totally about how uh, Uber is a, a stain on Silicon Valley. I would say, you know, the, the main thing that I took away from what Farhad wrote there was, um, you know, ultimately, well, what I would say is that ultimately for all the hand wringing and all the quote unquote and all the bad behavior and everything that happened, if you were to ask any of these investors, if you could do it all over again, would you do it? I bet every single one of them would say, of course I would do it. And you had the day before the IPO, all these articles from places like CNBC and the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere talking about this person had a $10,000 stake and now he's worth $100 million. Yeah. And this person put 100000 and that's worth, you know, like 
two billion and all that kind of stuff. And although and I it, think the Saudis and SoftBank have lost money on Uber, yeah, they the late, right, the late, that. like the last money in is always yeah. going to be, and, which was cumulatively you know, the majority of the money, apparently. But maybe they're <laughs> but like, back Bill, the I mean, the Bill Gurley, who's on the board of Uber, and I think Bill Gurley was frustrated that they hadn't gone public earlier. Uh, he's written like blog posts, like subtweeting, basically like, you know, if you're the late money coming in. Like he wrote basically saying, like, if you're the last money coming in on this, you're going to look like a dope. And they did. But, you know, so is it what's the knock on effect? I don't think there is going to be a knock on effect. If you just look at like valuations, you could argue valuations should probably come down. But then like WeWork is going to try and go public and we'll see what happens with that. Like, I, I think these investors, they look they don't look at no one's looking at post IPO what happened. They're looking at what happened to the IPO. And yeah. funding in Silicon Valley and funding startups. And, you know, there's uh, we're focusing on a negative story like Uber. Beyond Meat has like, taken off, you know, <laughs> like and like there are positive stories out there. That you think are, that you think Beyond Meat's a tech company? I don't think so, but it's it, yeah. it's funded by the Silicon Valley yeah. investors, right? So I think right. that it's funny. There's heavy debates in inside TechMeme about uh, is WeWork a tech company? Like, if you'll notice, TechMeme rarely covers WeWork because the consensus is it's just stupid real estate, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. just funded by the same people. Um, I interest is up significantly from its IPO. It's down after its first earnings report today, but uh, I'm looking at our chart. Uh, I started around 19 bucks and it's up to 26 i'm not sure where pinterest priced but pinterest is up well like what what about pager duty that's another one that everyone talked about pager duty let's take a look at pager duty since it went public uh kind of flattish but up overall from the ipo pricing uh it was up significantly for a while and kind of came back but i think pager duty's up from its did, pricing did what, zoom go out already i can't remember yeah zoom went out zoom was a huge success right yeah zoom today is up seven percent for some reason yeah zoom uh, again, I don't know what the pricing was. Like the first day of trading, I think it was around eighty-two, and it's now at ninety. So you know, one thing I wonder about is whether you know Uber took very long to go public. Um, Facebook did too. That was kind of the the Facebook was kind of the the start of that uh, trend where companies take longer and longer to go public. Um, I wonder if after the Uber IPO, if there will be some shortening of that time. Um, that, I mean, that's I think, kind of what I was asking. Yeah, in a, in a yeah. weird way. Yeah, because I, I mean, I think yeah. every company like so. You, so a lot of people argue Snapchat went early, public too early, right? Like Snapchat right. has it has been below it priced at seventeen dollars a share, and I think it trades around ten right now, and it has gotten as low as five. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the criticism on so it's eleven fifty three for Snap. The the criticism on Snap was that they went out too early. They weren't ready to go public. So uh, you know, I think. It's I mean, very- I think you. I, I think Uber could have made the if Uber went public two years ago, four years ago. Like it, obviously, without Travis, didn't have the kind of Travis baggage. But you know, had Dara a CEO then, uh, it would have been in high growth. Uh, you could have made a more plausible story about like eating up the competition. Probably may have ended up at the same place uh but you know snap Look, was I, think, sort of- I, I also think yeah but who knows i mean it's a 70 billion dollar company right now for all the like like negativity we're ringing about it, it was a right. bad ipo in terms like it's a bad ipo for the people the institutional investors who were sold it 
I guess you could argue for the Saudi folks, uh, a real tragedy that they may not make as much money as they had hoped. Uh, for some employees, you know, in terms of option pricing, that's that's tough. But you know, you're not supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to hold these for a while. Like that's what they're hoping for. And yeah. so I think Uber was hurt by Lyft getting out in front of them. Like the fact that Lyft did so poorly on the markets made it much harder for Uber. And let's also not forget that Uber went public. Like so, Lyft was bad, and then. Uber followed, and the narrative isn't that much stronger for Lyft for Uber than it was for narrative for Lyft. And then, the day of trading was the week that Donald Trump decided to fully like engage the China trade war, and that yeah. hasn't really hurt the market as much as you would think. But it wasn't great. It wasn't great the day that it, you know you're you're going yeah. public and you're starting on that. So there are other market conditions outside of that uh, that also impact Uber a little bit. Want a better way to simplify your business finances across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? If so, Ramp could be a complete game changer. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spend. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. You'll never have to chase down a receipt again and your employees will no longer spend hours submitting expense reports. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Ramp's also saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash techmeme. Ramp.com slash techmeme. R-A-M-P dot com slash techmeme. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S customers in good standing. Um, <clears throat> let's let's try to hit one other topic before we go. Um, and I'm going to pick the, the streaming wars because I, if I remember correctly, you guys talked a lot about Netflix back in the day on your show, 
But I even think your show, I remember listening maybe when you guys were bemoaning whether or not ESPN would ever do like a streaming app or something like that. So um, actually, uh, the other weekend episode that I'm going to pair with you guys this weekend is with Eric Jackson to talk about uh, streaming stuff. And like, you know, he's really, really bullish on like Disney Plus and stuff like that. So um, I don't even have a question other than, I guess, kind of broadly again, like, what's your take on, on the streaming situation? Disney Plus, Apple Plus, everybody. I my co- comment here is not is going to be from the point of view of a consumer, which is there are way too many services, and I and there are obviously more coming, and I foresee myself ending up paying much more than I used to pay for cable, and it's gonna there's gonna like I don't know I think that people are gonna there people are gonna get sign up for this stuff, forget that they're subscribing, and that's going to be one big problem. Um, and another is these these services are going to have a lot of churn. Um, I think, you know, I, I get uh, a lot of value from Netflix, and I feel like I can wait for, I, I can handle Netflix raising its prices, and I'll probably stick with it. Um, Google TV or YouTube TV uh, recently raised its prices, and I seriously debated about whether to keep keep it because I are I you barely... one of those people that like that? Because there's there's some people that swear by YouTube TV. I've never tried it. I mean, I I, I think it's great when I want to watch the like one time every year when I want to watch sports. But other than that, it's um, I barely like I barely watch broadcast tv and so it's and it's a lot of money it's like 50 dollars a month now um and but the great thing about it is you can cancel it when you don't want it so pretty easily um so i've been sort of doing that um so there's a lot of churn for me on there um i mean i i subscribe to a lot of things and i feel like probably too many because i barely use them uh netflix and spotify and um amazon prime are the main ones and i feel like for a lot of people we're going to have that where you have like two or three that you definitely have to subscribe to and I suspect there will be kind of churn and, um, I don't know, less fidelity to all the others. Perhaps Disney may be the exception, but I can't even see that. Like, my kids are pretty big Disney fans, but um, I don't know. I don't I don't imagine that there'll be enough Disney content that I will, you know, jump, that I will put it ahead of, for example, Netflix in my, in my kind of decisions about what to subscribe to or not. Uh, yeah, I guess I come at it from a few angles. Like I think about it, uh, uh, from the business side of like, how are you like trying to position your business? And I also think about it from the consumer side. Um, it's like, I don't know, you're asking a very broad question, so I'm not exactly sure how to answer it, I guess. But what I would say is I I think there's, we're going to have a lot of different services and on each service, you're going to have just consumers will be making their uh, a discrete uh, set of decisions. Okay, all right, all right. That, that's, that's, that's mumbo-jumbo. So let me give you a specific question. Then. <laughs> um, how much is everybody in this game because they feel like strategically they have to be? Because I think everyone intuitively knows we're not going to sign up for 10 different subscriptions. So like if you're, a, if you're an AT&T or, uh, I, you know, NBC Universal, I, I don't know if you can... But the... Like, is everyone just afraid, well, we have to have a distribution platform or we lose control of Oh, our- yeah. I mean, right. There, there's no there's no not doing it. Like, if you're Disney, you can't not do it. If you're if you run a major sort of content company now, you can't not have a subscription service. The question is whether to 
you can't not you can't not have a, some kind of subscription business. Question is whether to you know give your content to Netflix and do it that way or have your own. Um, I think that you sort of have to have that can, that conversation and have um, perhaps have your own streaming service. Um, the the ones that really I think are the dodgier ones are things like that. What is it? Qubi? Quibi? Quibi. Oh, God. Yeah, I did a segment on that yeah. yesterday. The, yeah. Uh, so um, the Katzenberg, uh, Meg Whitman one um, for TV, or I guess it's that's like short. The way they that, don't even want you to watch it on your TV. It's, it's for yeah. phones. Right. And yeah, it's, it's short, sort of form, short yeah. video content. Um, that seems really difficult to me. Or there's the one for podcasts, uh, Luminary. Uh, that's, that right. has so many different problems. Like one... Uh, I feel like it's a bad deal for even podcasters, right? Like for people to sign up to, to Luminary, you're sort of breaking up the market. You're kind of creating your own bespoke thing. Um, those seem more. Uh, yeah, that that would be that would be another uh, twenty minute conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of that two weeks ago. But wait, I, neither of you guys are, are are bullish on Disney at all. Like because to I me, mean, I'm bullish. So I, I I calculated this one time, and I and there are two companies that I spend. Like most of my disposable cash on one is Amazon and the other is Disney. And, what about uh, Apple? Uh, I don't buy that much from Apple. I mean, I buy, buy like if they put out a new uh, iMac that's got a big screen, you're going to buy it. Yeah, but like once every three years, and yeah, then that, I bet if you uh, amortize it, yeah, I, I spend you, a lot of money at Disney. If you, <laughs> where, like, in what capacity? And, uh, like vacations, like you, D- Disneyland. You've multiple uh, vacations to Disneyland. Well, you grew well, up not well, that far from. By right? the way, Farhad, listen. G- guess what? What if so? Disney has Disney Plus coming out. They've got Hulu. They've got ESPN. They're going to bundle that together, right? What if all of a sudden there's a Disney Plus Prime, and then you get certain discounts for uh, every time you go to the theme parks? If you if you take a cruise, if you get like early tickets to what the Lion King on Broadway, like there there's a whole subscription play here where like you can full join the disney brand and family forever yeah i i suspect it will be very expensive i mean that's the kind of the disney way right so i i we don't know any pricing on the disney uh streaming service yes we I do we yes we do. we do they came in really really low seven bucks a month which it, which that's one of the reasons why people are like well apple hasn't uh I mean, announced I, their I, prices I, yet. I will i will put my money on i will probably purchase and sort of bet on the Disney service before, um, before the Apple service, like the Disney service makes more sense. $7 seems uh, reasonable to me. Um, I, uh, I, I, so I guess I'm, I'm not unbullish on it. I'm not bearish on it, but it seems sort of like, it seems difficult to imagine them eclipsing Netflix um, I feel they did this for because of all the all the um, evidence from Netflix that this is going to be. I, the new way. Uh, yeah, I don't think that that's the narrative here. You know, uh, you guys are going to come out tomorrow Saturday, and the Eric Jackson one's going to come out on Sunday. You should listen to the Eric Jackson one. It's 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 not. I, they're, look, they're not trying to make a Netflix killer. I can't believe your your characterizing me as bearish or bullish. I don't even think I've said anything. So that's interesting. Uh, I, well, I, I was responding specifically to Farhad, I guess. Yeah, you paint a wide brush, very broad. <laughs> But we're the same, you and I. Not really. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, I think, like, so there's, like, one, I think you were asking, is this offense or is it defense for these companies? I think for each, like, for a bunch of companies, there's different views on it. Like, I think it's a little bit of both, but it's mostly offense for most of these companies. 
like Warner Media, it's like to me it seems all offense. And yeah. I'm not, you know, it's all offense there. And for Disney, I think it's I think it's mostly offense, but it's offense that was coming from a place of defense, uh, if that makes sense. And I think I, I'm like I would say I'm fairly bullish on Disney. Like we have I have a four year old and now a two and a half month uh old. And I think about like going forward when like my son, you know, he's very scared, but of <laughs> movies. So like we tried watching Finding Nemo in, in his defense, a little scary in the beginning. I'm not going to spoil it, but there is death right off the bat. So, <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I personally look forward to like, I, I can't wait till he's older and she's older and we can all watch like Disney and Pixar movies together. Uh, and either I'm going to pay $18 for them or go to a garage sale and trying to find a bucket of DVDs for a dollar, or I could subscribe to this service. And I think that, you know, I'll subscribe to it now. Does, is that enough to keep you around for a long time? Well, they have a long runway to build more and more content into it. And then they also own, don't forget, they own Hulu now. And Hulu right. is growing faster in North America than Netflix, which, you know, is what it is. That's because they're coming off a smaller base. But, you know, I think Hulu is getting is is been very very like like the show uh, Handmaid's Tale right like that would drove a ton of signups. Well, and, and, and Hulu and, plays and, in the Hulu plays in the ad supported yeah, uh, side of it Hulu, as well. I think Hulu's strategy is great overall. So I um I think Hulu as a service is great be, uh, both for the originals and because um it's an easy way to get uh, TV shows, especially TV shows that are sort of like hard to find elsewhere um and uh the ad supported thing is is interesting and unusual in the market um but, there, but you also still have to pay right for a lot you still of have to pay but it's it's significantly cheaper than um netflix and you just have to sit through the ads for and it look at look at what roku is doing like that's a whole other side of this right. that's and, exploding. And, and, and nbc universal's view is like uh to do an ad supported service as well uh, under the uh, idea that like consumers uh, are willing to are willing to sit through a light ad load um, yeah. because they think it's a fair trade-off as opposed to paying a monthly uh, fee. And I, think I mean, that- we never talked about this, but we should talk about. I mean, I feel like the real uh, question in this whole business is how Apple will do, and um, they're both late. And yeah. spending a lot of money and not really in this business. Um, I think the interesting question will be if anyone is moved to subscribe to their thing that we don't know anything about that's coming out later this year. I uh, yeah. I don't see. I don't how, know why they're doing it. I don't know why they're doing it, and I don't see how at this point they can charge a dime. <laughs> well, they're gonna. <laughs> they More want to, but that, that's one of the things. Like when 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 Disney announced that it was going to be seven dollars a month. It's like, well, but there's you get all of the you get all the Simpsons ever. Forget all the Star Wars. Forget all the Marvel. Um, and so you're gonna. It, there's no way that Apple can come in above seven dollars a month now, right? And even there, what are you you're paying for uh, these new shows that maybe you do or don't want to watch? Like it's the HBO proposition yeah, no without idea. any and of Oprah. the HBO uh, like Halo, right? Yeah, um, I mean. It'd be great if they just bought HBO, for example. Uh, but they should have bought yeah. Netflix. Yeah, I mean, everyone should have bought Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe. 
N- not so I much. Mean, you just don't. You don't. Well, you just don't know. Like, would yeah. they have bought? Like, would they have bought Netflix and invested in and and done the right development for shows? Would it have worked? Like, you know, yeah. you just never know. And and I think like you know, Hulu is an amazing story, and just in terms of, it was built by these incumbents as a hedge against YouTube, uh, and then it wound up being a hedge against Netflix, and uh, uh, you know, now Disney's going to outright control it, but it has figured out a formula and it's growing and like Wait, is youtube the, is, is do we know anything about who's financials i, I mean do yes. they make money is it oh okay. no, it loses know. money it, okay. it, it was we knew the financials because all of those companies that were investors in it were public companies and so like in their like right filings they would reveal what was going on with hulu and it wasn't it was the same kind of financial story as um netflix basically right so, um, um, you know, I'm just going to put in another plug. I love Spotify. I think Spotify is great. And um, it's a, a the, plug. Wait, I, I didn't know that you own Spotify. Yeah, I, I, I run Spotify. Yeah. No, I, I feel like um, I feel like more than any other app in, or subscription service, Spotify is the most it's just the best run. I mean, Netflix is does well as well uh but um wow huge slap in the face to new york times management of all the great subscription <laughs> talk services about my out own. there the, the one the subscription place services you should out there. subscribe to is the new york times uh other than that please i i feel like uh, spotify is really good at investing in the app investing in making you know in, in improving the service and like it, it sort of works with everything it's great it's like it's like a model for what subscription services should be. And um, I think that uh, people don't talk about how good it is uh, enough, often enough. Well, I have no financial interest in Spotify. I just uh, hope they survive because, um, you know, they're, they're obviously competing with the platform companies and um, I, uh, I wish them well. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, if, if, you do, uh, if you do resurrect the Jay and Farhad show, uh, I will come on and tell you about Spotify's moves into podcasting and Luminary and all that good stuff. Um, but real quick, let's close with this, which is my Thrones question, which is not, do you like what's happening? I'm more curious, do you have a take on everyone suddenly having a take and everyone suddenly being yes. a script doctor and like everyone, like, are, it's just fascinating in real time to watch everyone like all of a sudden give a complete and total S about <laughs> this show. Even people that like didn't even care before, all of a sudden people are pissed. Well- Wait, why? So I, it's a, it's a huge show. It's being watched by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it's like, and that's rare in this culture. It's rare that you. It's have rare a anymore, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so, so I think that's that's that there's a feeling of togetherness, and also this season has just been really. I mean, it's the final season, so people are gonna people are gonna comment on it. It's the end of a long story that people have been invested in for almost a decade um, or longer. If you started reading the books in like the eighties right. or whatever. well, I, I, maybe uh, what I'm asking is is like that's what feels odd to me is that everyone is unified almost <laughs> in the sense that like everyone feels like you guys are screwing this up. Well, but they are screwing it up, and it's sort of obvious that they're. Screwing I agree it up. with you. I mean, they're uh and and I think that they're screwing it up for very 
what I can tell, very like selfish reasons. The thing that they're screwing up with is that they wanted fewer episodes in this and the last season. Um, and the main problems that I see with the story could have been cleared up with more episodes. Like it's yeah. just it's it's mostly a, a problem of kind of pacing rather than direction. And I feel like if there had been you know more time to uh, go over some of the huge things that happened in this season, like just more episodes, more time on them, you would have had um, uh, just a overall a better, more plausible story. Uh, but they wanted to go off and make the next Star Wars, and so that's what they're doing. Which to me is like that whole thing. You know, it's bizarre, and it's almost. I wonder if it's because uh hbo is a subscription service like if this was an ad supported tv show um that's interesting yeah because when you think about it like the incentives like i thought about that like it just should like it should be more episodes like there's no reason for it to be ending this year and it didn't Uh, have to be like even if you don't do three seasons what if you just did two more episodes this season and two more episodes last season you already had everyone out in northern ireland and and croatia and all these places and like if I'm if I'm you know oh they want to go make Star Wars movies whatever like go pay them more like that you know you can yeah. solve this very easily with enough cash and uh, and I wonder if it was ad supported if it's an easier economic decision to up the cash and keep them around uh, because it's like it would be such a phenomenon like how much does a wait how you're much not does you're, you're not suggesting of Game of Thrones like I'm not sure does another game season of Game of Thrones incrementally add subscribers to HBO or are all the Game of Thrones subscriber everyone that wants to watch Game of Thrones have they already subscribed so what is the economic calculation but like a hundred percent this show this show like in last season I thought there were episodes that dragged and even the beginning of the season like the first two you're like come on get on with it um Obviously, there is character exploration that should have been done and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you're saying, you're, you know, going back to the start of this, why is everyone suddenly kind of consensus, has reached consensus on criticism of this show? I think, you know, it's not fun to everyone have conventional takes and everyone kind of congeal around one point of view, but I don't think that it's per se wrong. I think there's a little bit of, you know, it's it's it set a high standard. There's a ton of adoration. There's a ton of affection for it. And so... Just like you know, Apple uh, gets criticized for really minor stuff, and it's because well, they hold themselves to high standard, and so do like the people who kind of love them and hate them will uh, create that. Like anything that becomes this big and popular is going to become a lightning rod in that capacity. But I don't see anything that's radically off base uh, in terms of the criticism, and, and and I think there's a there's a certain extent too to which the show really did change. Uh, after they stopped having the books to yeah, rely on, yeah, like the yeah. the dialogue, I think got less crisp. The character development changed, and there's there's an extent to which is it we now that we know it's off of the original material, are we as a collectively as a group, are we all more hypercritical because we know that it was based off this one person's work, and we all loved it there, and now that we know that they're often untethered from it, that we feel a little bit freer to criticize in a way that we didn't feel free to criticize pre- prior to that. I, don't, I, I mean, maybe, but I feel like if these, I, I, I feel like a lot of the commentary about it, particularly the, the off Twitter commentary is probably not based on, um, that level of kind of insight about the showrunners and like their source text. I think that is just 
kind of obviously worse than previous seasons and um people are because there are so many because we're at the end and there's so many people invested in it um people are commenting about it are we I, allowed to do spoilers are we allowed to talk about specific things in the yeah, show yeah i'm not i'm not uh, Isn't it, like it was yeah. crazy when the, the the ships are right there around the corner and then they kill no. one of the dragons it's like what and then and then the next episode the dragon suddenly the can wipe it you know what no yeah. the, 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 and i gotta credit like, the, and then she flies at him and doesn't like have it breathe fire like it made no and, and it was also like they were there and then all of a sudden they're on water it's like i didn't even know there was water no, this, yeah, this, I didn't, this is all the, of a sudden there's water there and then they they weren't near the water for like the rest of that episode so <laughs> no the, the, the ultimate summation of this and this is from the watch podcast which is uh, the, from the ringer is think about this <clears throat> aria had that kill list right and she leaves Winterfell, and she goes down, and she's going to... And then all that happens in, in, in literally 10 seconds, the Hound says to her, hey, you don't want to do this. And Arya's like, you know, I don't. I want to bounce. Yeah. Well, in the, old, in the old show, you would have two episodes for that to slowly dawn on her. And they literally have 10 seconds for her to be like, you're right, I don't want to be a vigilante right. killer anymore. I've come anymore. all this way. I've been planning this my entire life. And you're right. I should just turn around now. <laughs> and when she like, and when she, I still, she killed the Night King. She came out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> and I thought I was like, wow, that was dramatic and all that kind of stuff. I was like, but surely they'll explain exactly how she did it next episode. There's no explanation. It was she just came flying out of nowhere and did it. And like, just okay. just two more okay. episodes last season. Two more episodes this season. Everything's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I just think like, yeah. you could have explained, like, did she take a secret trap door? Did she do, like, somebody was, like, saying, no, I think it's because she can, like, um, change her identity, like, the whatever, what they call it, the faceless, man of many faceless faces, men, the yeah. faceless men, like, she did one of her faceless men tricks, and that's how she got in there. It's like, I don't think that's right. But we'll find out. I'm sure they'll explain it to us in the next episode, and they never did. Well, if all we got to do is wait. 10, 15 years when they reboot it, and they'll they'll fix everything, theoretically. Um, I gotta go, guys, because otherwise I won't have today's show out by 5pm. <laughs> Alright. No, no one's listening. You're, no one's gonna notice. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Well, Let's keep doing this. Well, maybe in theory, you guys gotta go home, too. Um, uh, Alright. No. Farad's at his house doing this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I am. That's true. I'm always at my house. Well, I wanna go home. Alright, thank you, guys. Alright, thanks Next a lot. time. Yeah. Yeah, bye.